is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. Welcome to another episode of Cosmos and the City, the Sex in the City podcast. My name is Megan McKeever, and I'll be your host slash drinking buddy for the next hour or so. For those of you listening for the first time, we'll be watching through the entire series of Sex in the City, and each week I'll have a brand new guest to join me. For those of you that have been listening this whole time, we did it, guys! We made it through all 12 episodes of season one. Man, that was a ride. We had 13 hilarious guests, and they were amazing. So if you haven't heard those episodes yet, please go and take a listen. This week, we have a very special episode recapping season one with a former cast member. Guys, we got him. This guy, all through season one, every every guest is like, where's Skipper? Bring on Skipper. And we got him. Ben Weber, a.k.a. Skipper Johnston. We had a really fun conversation. There's some super fun tidbits about other cast members. And we get some behind-the-scenes insight into the fabulous world of Sex in the City. If you like what you hear and want to show us some love, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook, both at Cosmos and the City, or on Twitter at CATC Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a rating and review. So doing that really helps us to hopefully get more cast members and other fabulous guests. If you have any thoughts, opinions, ideas, etc., you can email us at cosmosinthecity at gmail.com. We would love to hear from all of you. This show is brought to you by Boardwalk Audio. They've got a lot of other awesome podcasts, so head over to boardwalkaudio.com to check them out. And if you like the show and want to support it, the best way to do so is by shopping. Just go to boardwalkaudio.com slash cosmos, click the support our artist button, and shop on Amazon like you normally would. Like you can buy bulk candy, you can buy tennis shoes, you can buy that charcoal toothpaste, you know, whatever you like. So cheers. Enjoy the episode. <laughs> I'm so excited. Oh, I'm excited to be here. All right. Well, welcome to Cosmos and the City. Today we have a special episode recapping season one, and we have the always fabulous Ben Weber, aka Skipper Johnston. Thank you. On the show today. So here, cheers. Cheers. Happy. Uh, <laughs> happy Monday. Happy Monday. Here we go. Mm. I'm right. Ooh. <laughs> I didn't try it before. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's a totally appropriate breakfast drink. Mm-hmm. There it is. So, um, Ben. Yes. It's been a while since you've been on the show, Sex in the City. Yes. What's going on? Why am I not been on the show? <laughs> I know. It's been so well, long. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's go. I know. Movie three. Yes. It's got to include you. I know. Come on. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Maybe there'll be a message on my phone when we're done taping this. I hope so. That'd be awesome. So question, where did Skipper go? Oh, man, I'm really glad you asked that question. I have no idea. It's something that I honestly, like, I've kind of wrestled with a little bit when I think about it. And other times, I'm so glad to be a part of what part of it I was, you know? Like, I I really, like, I just had, 
I, I mean, there were so many factors, but and to pretend like, oh, I don't ever really, you know, like it's a girl show. It's not my cup of tea. Right. You know, I could write it off as like uh, as that, but I, I don't know. I'm really hoping that you know, maybe maybe you can tell me. I mean, you were in seven episodes to like kind of compare. Like the Russian was only in nine. <laughs> So I'm just saying, like, yeah. you were a big part of the first season, and it's just, you just disappeared. And, uh, okay, I need to know, how were Carrie and Skipper friends? How, you mean, what drew, drew yeah, them like, together? Why yeah. would they ever hang out? Exactly. Right, because that's why she hang, she hooks me up with... Miranda. Miranda. I don't know, maybe I built her website? That's <laughs> what, that was my theory. Yeah, I don't know. It's so funny. I don't know what to tell you. It just was such a funny time. I think everybody, in terms of big picture, like thousand, you know, 30,000 foot view of the show, I think they were just really trying to figure out what this new world of cable, of, you know... Of, of not network television was. Totally. I mean, I don't know where you want to start, but I mean, I remember like get, going to the audition for this and not being nervous at all because it was like, wait a minute, what? I want to be auditioning for network shows. I want to be, you know, I want to be on like a Friends or I want to be, mm-hmm. you know, HBO. What? They haven't done anything. Um, you know, they have no track record with original content. And right. so I remember being kind of like, oh, you know, I booked the pilot. <laughs> um you know, like, not bum, but it was such a, it was also new, I think. Yeah. It was also before, like, any streaming type of shows. So, you know, when was it going to, it was no syndication for it. No. You know? No, and there, the money wasn't the same either. You know, you hear about all these, you know, big, all your friends in the trenches as actors, you know, doing these network deals. And that was the thing that was really kind of hung out there. It's mm-hmm. like what you sort of aspire to get to. So... I, I don't know, but, you know, so quickly it became apparent that this was something different in the best possible way. Right. And I now have a full appreciation of it that I'm, I don't think I did at the time. But, yeah, so that, anyways, that was my, that was the world in which, like, I came to the show as I remember the... The pilot got picked up, and I was like, okay, the pilot's kind of weird. I don't even it's know. It's super weird. <laughs> it's super weird. I don't even know who's in the who's going to go forward in the show. Mm-hmm. Like Bill Sage was one of the was one of the actors in the pilot who's like smoking the cigarette with uh, with uh, Carrie in the in the bar, you yes. know. And I was like, oh, I thought he's going to be. He's a big actor. I thought he, you know, you know, he's going to be in the show now. And it was that was just uh, you know one. It was kind of confusing. I don't think they knew. Yeah, I don't think anybody knew. <laughs> Like once we started doing table reads and, you know, they start talking about anal sex and you're like, oh, okay, I get it. Like this is going to do what no show has ever done before. Right. And it is so immediately, it became so immediately apparent, like this is thrilling in a way, even though the woman who I was dating at the time and would later become my wife, her family was not quite as understanding. <laughs> Right. But anyway, so I I don't know where you want to start with No, all. I was going to ask you about the audition, so that's yeah. cool. Yeah, I remember it I remember being very not nervous. You know, Darren Starr was in the room with a bunch of with a couple other producers and writers, and I was very green. I had done very little and my experience Cuz um, you were only 25, 26? Yeah, I think that's right. My <laughs> wife and I were talking about this the other day. <laughs> very young. And I had been working in New York like Okay, so I got to New York and I went to NYU, but I was just an English major. Like I did stand-up comedy. That was my oh, like cool. Yeah, that's how I got my foot in the door. You wouldn't know it now because I'm not <laughs> funny, but I did stand-up comedy by night and I was sort of a student by day. And then 
after I graduated, I got an agent and a manager because they saw me performing and they didn't think I could work on the road, but they were like, we think maybe you could audition and not, you know, shit your pants. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, let's do this. And I had done a lot of acting and improv in high school and in college. So I, I, I was headed that direction. I just didn't know how I was going to get there. And so um, I get signed and I start going out for stuff. And then I remember going out for this HBO show and you know, playing Skipper, I don't remember what the, I don't even remember what the scene was I auditioned with, but I remember being not super nervous because I just was like, I don't even know what this is. I don't even know what they're asking. But then, yeah, I remember finding out that I got the pilot, let's see, what was that, 97? Yes. So, yeah, excuse me if I'm, yeah, not getting all these facts correctly. No, but that's okay. I think that's right. Um but I remember, I don't remember about shoot, much about shooting the pilot, but I remember I was staying in Manhattan Beach. Uh, I was out in L.A., so it must have been 98, when I heard from my manager at the time that Sex and the City was getting picked up. Nice. And I was like, oh, I don't, great. <laughs> I don't know, Skipper comes back. Like, I didn't even know, you know, what what that meant. I think I was excited. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I just didn't know what it meant. Cool. You were in, like, half the episodes in season one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dating Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> kind mean, of. <laughs> that was the other funny thing, too, is because, like, she was so incredible. You know, Cynthia Nixon was, mm-hmm. like, you know, this legend, and I had literally, you know, been doing stand-up comedy, you know, on West 3rd Street. <laughs> and I was, I wasn't in awe of her, but I was really, pretty quickly, I was like, oh, geez, like, she's a consummate pro, and I am a total, you know, just, <laughs> well, I let me first up back up and say, I was dating a woman at the time, Kara, who became my wife, and after the pilot aired and the show started airing, her and her family, who are very, not very, they're conservative, they're from western Pennsylvania, started okay. watching the show, and Kara's like, yeah, I'm um, dating an actor, and he's on this show <laughs> on HBO that has sex in the title. Like, it sounded bad. It sounded really bad. And uh, I think they were a little freaked out by it. And I was thinking about this the other day, too, that my my parents, I grew up in Seattle. They didn't have HBO, and they went over to my grandparents' oh, house no. to watch this Oh, show. no. Well, my grandparents are from Europe, so they're a little, they're kind of cool. They're like okay. a little, they weren't too, they weren't conservative, like, and so, but I remember, like, my grandfather making VHS copies of the show for, you know, he would give it to my family or whoever. But they, that was sort of a funny thing, you know? Like, it was, HBO had this track record of, like, it wasn't this place they went to see right. all-star talent. Uh, yeah, I probably would have waited for my parents to watch it on TBS or something, <laughs> where they take out all, like, the yeah. sexy parts. That's and, uh... so smart. Yeah, I should have done that. <laughs> I should have done that. So cool. So you worked with Cynthia Nixon. What about the other girls? Did you have much scenes with them? Well, yeah. I, I mean, so the day came when we started shooting the rest of season one after we, you know, the pilot got picked up and we went to work. And I remember, I have very clearly remember like going to shoot a, I remember the day I showed up in my trailer and there was no wardrobe, you know, there was no, there was no um costume, you know, because I was doing a poised coital, you know, right, you know, moment with Cynthia. And I was like, oh, there <laughs> I had to sign a nudity waiver and there's like the little sock thing that they make you wear. 
And I was like, oh, wow, I've gotten to this point in my career already. <laughs> I thought I thought maybe it would take a little bit longer to get to this point. And I had to shoot that scene. I forget what episode it is, but we're, I'm just wearing like a pair of white boxers, and we're supposed to have just made love. Yeah, that's like, if it's the one I'm thinking of, it's like the episode seven, I think maybe? that's right. I think it's somewhere in the middle of the first season. Yeah. I just remember being terrified. Like, I forgot. All my fucking lines. And Cynthia Nixon was just like, you know, not a machine, but she had, her feathers weren't ruffled very easily. Um, But yeah, so that was my first like, wow, this is, um, you know, these guys are real pros that I'm working with here. And some of the other talent, you know, that was working on that show at that time, you know, the actors that were breaking and the people that were coming forward were just amazing. I really like that scene with Sarah Jessica Parker where you like come over to talk about Miranda and you're like just talking about how obsessed you are with yeah, Miranda. Yeah. And you're like, you say that line about, I don't even want to take a shower. I just want to spend the After, whole day. Yeah, yeah. And she looks at my hand. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And she's holding your hand and she's like, um. Yeah, I don't know about this. Yeah. yeah that, that's so funny. That moment is great. I had, I, working with her was so amazing. Like you can just see, not that, you know, my her energy was just so amazing. Like, I didn't have to do anything, you know. She just she just is such an amazing, you know, life force to be yes. around. And you can just see, like, I'm bouncing off the <laughs> ceiling just, just, you know, being next to her. So I love, love, love doing all those scenes with her. And it's funny. I showed my son, Will, who's 13 and is kind of going through sort of an awkward <laughs> stage. He had never seen Sex in the City, obviously, because he's 13, and why would he? But he, I showed him something just because I was watching it over this weekend, and I was like, everybody had their clothes on. <laughs> like, there was nothing weird. <laughs> but it was just a scene where me and Sarah were, like, walking down Fifth Avenue or something, and I, she hands me the phone, to, or I make her call Cynthia about something. And right. my son, Will, freaked out. He couldn't see his dad. He was like, Dad, you're so excited here. You're so, like, enthusiastic. And I was like, why is that the weird thing here? But he couldn't He couldn't finish watching it, you know? It was just one of those weird things. Yeah. Was it, like, a Frim Shamdam thing? Well, I think he sees I, – I, he's a geeky teen. I was, like, a practically <laughs> – you know, I was pretty geeky myself back then. I, so I think there's part of it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Like, the apple's not falling very far from the tree. <laughs> So here's the thing. So yeah. you were in six episodes of season one. Yep. But then, like, we don't see you for yeah, like I don't know thirteen episodes. I don't know. It was weird because I would hear things like, "Oh, they're working on you know they've got this big idea for you. Like maybe Skipper's going to become like a billionaire or something." And <laughs> I, you know, I just couldn't figure it out. And I was okay. So actually, there is more to the story that I'm not. Let's see. How do I do say this? Um, first of all, I want to say everybody, like Michael Patrick King was, he so I worked in stand-up and he was in stand-up too. And we actually worked at the same club. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so when I got that job, I was like, oh, this is great. And it was great what he did with the show because he made it so much funnier, you know, than it than I think if Darren Starr had just been left to his own devices. He made it a real comedy. Like I was watching it and I had forgotten there's like four hard laughs in the whole first season, you know, and none in the first like three or four episodes. Right. And so he definitely like took things in the in the right direction. But I think I may have pissed some people off at HBO. <laughs> I did this thing, which was really stupid, but I 
1998, there were websites. Right. <laughs> and there was this actually very cool website called Nerve.com, which a really cool friend of ours, who our friend Emma Taylor, who had gone to Princeton and was a big writer, journalist, um, was starting to write literate smut for them. And so Rufus Griscom was the head writer uh, for it. And they did really cool stuff. And they asked me to write about making doing a sex scene with Cynthia Nixon. Okay. And I had spent a lot of time writing as a comedian, as an English major. You know, I'd been a writer. So I was like, I need to... And Sex and the City didn't pay that much, and they were paying. And so I don't want to say it was all about the money, because it really wasn't. But um, I wrote something... And I didn't get HBO's, like, approval about it at all. And I thought, ah, it's just this website will go under the radar. But they found out and they weren't psyched about it. And it was, I felt bad. And I did get a call. The piece was very much from the perspective of, look at how green I am. Right. You know, I don't know what I'm doing. And Cynthia wasn't psyched about it. I think she was a little upset that somehow, because I, I said, you know, I was like, it's so hard. Doing a sex scene is impossible. It's really hard to gin up that energy when you have all these crew guys. I mean, it's just that obvious stuff, you know? Right. It, I said something like, you know, we were like two wind-up toys at the bottom of a tube sock. You know, we were just sort of like, <laughs> it's just really hard. And then I had this other scene with Kate Grant where... The scene where I'm like, you know, you're breaking up with me while you're right. still inside of me. The woman who plays Allison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was, she was so, uh, she's amazing. Kate Grant's a terrific actress. And so I was talking about kind of comparing those two scenes. And I think, I think Cynthia felt slighted. I think everybody was like, you know, their vulnerabilities were kind of up. And because nobody really knew what this nerve thing was, you know, I don't know if a hundred people read that thing, but I definitely right. got like a stern talking to. So I don't know if that played a part in it. I mean, it doesn't seem like... Hmm. I, ju- I think, honestly, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. The the Who knows? <laughs> I think the show is ultimately about the four women and the people that come in and out of their lives, you know? Right. I think it's so much more interesting when they're the fixed points in the universe and people are just passing through. And so that's sort of like my my, you know my big picture idea that, I don't know. I mean, I hadn't done all that much stuff. There were certainly other actors out there <laughs> who brought different things to the table. I, I don't know. Well, I think if you had, like, really pissed them off, they wouldn't have brought you back at all. You know? Yeah, right? So. Yeah. But they did. Yeah. So, And they kind know. of, like, wrapped up your story nice and neat, you know? Though yeah. you did kind of disappear and we never saw you again. But... I just imagine it's because Miranda, you know, you just didn't want anything to do with Miranda. No, 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 no. I thought it was, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think I, I mean, I do not, not, I don't think so. I know so. I mean, it was, I had a ton of fun working with all of them. I just think it was. Oh, I just mean Skipper, the character. Oh, Skipper, the character <laughs> yeah, was yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Skipper, yeah. the character She's was over. done. She's over. Yeah, I moved on. <laughs> moved on to somebody else. Yeah. Was, I mean, that's the other thing too is that, it is that he's so much younger. Maybe they just, he found somebody his own age and was able to, you know, just uh, get over Miranda and, and move on. Yeah. I mean, I just think story-wise that maybe they were like, well, maybe this character, we don't need you. I don't know if it was had to do with you, the actor. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, I'd have to imagine that HBO, they have harder skin, you know, like yeah, yeah, harder yeah, yeah. armor than that, you know? Totally, totally. 
But I guess like that was before, before like anybody could have all these forums to express all their opinions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that website seems kind of be the, like the first yeah. of and, its and, kind. And in my defense, like the piece was great. Like I wrote a really funny, like I'd stand by it. I would do it again, you know? And I always feel like, I, I don't know, maybe I didn't have like the proper reverence for the people involved because I didn't come up through... You know, I didn't go to Yale or Harvard. I didn't go to these fancy, you know, I wasn't some Juilliard actor. I didn't really, I'm not saying like I didn't play by the rules, but I didn't know what the rules were. You know, my whole approach in going to New York and making it as an actor was like, I'm definitely going to try something, you know, like I'm going to zig versus zagging here because I I don't know if there's a right way to do this. And and, um, I was happy doing anything. Like I would have been happy just being a writer for Saturday Night Live or just, you know, being behind the camera or anything. And so acting was always, um, I don't know, just gravy, you know, to be able to to, to do it. But you've been acting this whole time. Yeah, 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 yeah. What are some other stuff you've done? Well, so you'll find this. I mean, I've done a lot of different things. I mean, let's see, I did this. I did another long stint on a show with Molly Ringwald, The Secret Life of the American Teenager. Yes. Which was fun. I had a nice, uh, got to play sort of a flirty uh, flirty role with her. And that was kind of cool because she was living in Venice at the time. She's now moved uh, back east again. But that was kind of fun. We were sort of like carpooling to work together. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. And her husband is really awesome. And they've got kids sort of, you know, our kids is same age. And so... It was awesome. She was really that was a that was a cool gig. But to Sex and the City fans, I just did this this um, this thing that's now on Netflix uh, about Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. When Chris Noth plays the uh, the head of the FBI. Oh, cool! Yeah, you have to watch it. It's uh, yeah, really great. I'm gonna check that out. Yeah, we just spent yeah. like four months together in Atlanta, and it was funny because I hadn't really not hadn't stayed friends with any of the cast, but I hadn't. I just didn't hang out with anybody after the show was over. And then I got this opportunity to spend some time with Chris, and it was great. It was really fun because, you know, I'd seen him at a couple of the Sex and the City parties, but, like, I don't know. They were <laughs> – it was weird, and I felt like I kind of missed out because I had only done, you know, the first um, – the handful of episodes. And then talking to him about it, he was kind of like, you know, those first couple of years were kind of when it was the best, at least for him, he thought, and the most fun. And so I was like, well, okay, I was there then for some yeah. of that stuff. And I got to go to some of the cool parties. And it was really cool hanging out in Atlanta with him and working with him. And it was just, I don't know, it was kind of a dream gig. We were like practically like roommates. Cool. Uh, yeah, down in Atlanta, we were going to the gym together and like going out <laughs> when we didn't have, you know, when our, um, you know, when we weren't working the next day. And I, it was good. It was It was kind of therapeutic, too, to also ask some of those same questions, you know, like, why, you know, what happened? I, I, you know, not to be, like, weird about it, but I I was like, why? You know, if it's some performance reason or something, I guess right. you want to know that. But he was like, I, you know, who knows? Michael Patrick King, you know, was the boss. He could decide at any time if you didn't want to. Well, it seemed, I don't know, Skipper's character fit while, because he was dating Miranda. But then when he wasn't really dating Miranda anymore... His character seemed a little out of place because mm-hmm. all of other, all of Carrie's other friends just pop in for one episode and then you never see them again. Yeah. Like she just has all these random friends. Yeah. Um, but unless they're dating one of the four, mm-hmm. then. Why? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of what I think. 
as a character. Except for like Willie Garson, uh, who played yeah. Stanford. His yeah. character did kind of stick around. Yeah. But he was also a gay character. Yeah, you need a best and, buddy. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, he was so great. He, I mean, in a way, he was like Carrie's other significant other. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And there have been like some amazing things came up. Or there's some interesting serendipity because of, the, um, you know, what happened on that show. Like in episode four, there's this episode with uh, Tim Oliphant. Yes. Um, I think it's about the Valley of the 20-somethings. Valley of the 20-somethings. Yeah. So Tim and I ended up working together uh, on something else. And it was funny because I met him on that on that show. And I was like, this guy's a total asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this guy. But then the episode tees us up to... Carrie says, like, I knew they'd become great friends. <laughs> yeah. And it is very funny. We became really good friends. Greg Berlanti directed his first movie with Zach Braff, and and um, it, was, uh, it was about when Greg Berlanti was a young, you know, just starting out in Hollywood, and he had this softball team, and it was all these uh, gay male friends of him, played by Dean Kane, Justin nice. Theroux, and, yeah, all these, this amazing. Justin Theroux. Yeah, He's yeah, on right, the- <laughs> also on the show. So it was funny when I worked with Tim a second time, I was like, oh, actually, he's a really cool guy. <laughs> he just um, plays an asshole really well. <laughs> he was, yeah. He had to play that 20-something. That character so funny. But yeah, but it was fun to, again, that crop of actors that was breaking then, you know, was so interesting in New York. And to be part of that, like, I just can't say, you know, the whole time you're in New York, you're like, how am I ever going <laughs> to make it here? How am I ever going to break through, you know? And even when you get something like Sex and City, although... Okay, I'm, I know I'm all over the place. No, here. no, no, totally okay. So one other like little fragmentary bit is that after the pilot aired, I remember being on 57th Street and I had just had lunch with somebody, my friend Dan Goldfarb, and uh, I come out of there, pilot had just aired the night before, and so we were just having sort of like a celebratory, celebratory lunch, and this guy in a business suit just comes up to me and he's just like, hey, I saw you on that show last night. You were incredible. And this is 57, you know, street. Like, <laughs> right. I'm like, oh, my God, I've been in New York for four minutes and this has happened. And I was like, that's great. I don't know that I had the that perspective at that time, but, mm-hmm. like, I was like, wow, this is really – I mean, the people, especially the first season, you know, Josh Stamberg, Will Arnett, like, you know, Justin Theroux. Yeah. I mean, all these people. Ugh. Yeah, it was great. Um, so anyway, sorry. Where were we? No. Uh, <laughs> let's see. So how long did you live in New York? So I transferred from the University of Colorado to New York in 1992, 93. So I was there, and then my wife and I got married on the East Coast and moved out here in 2001. Cool. Yeah. So how's L.A. been treating you? Great. You know, really great. It's interesting because my wife works in technology, and so she was like a real, um, you know, she's she's uh, not in the like she's not a geek. She's always done like marketing and PR and strategy. That's the and cool stuff. part. Yeah, yeah, the cool part. <laughs> and so when we first moved out here, like there was no Google, there was no Snapchat. You know, in two thousands, there was there was nothing. But now it's very cool. There's a real diversification of of industry and employment and the type of people that are out here. You know. Used to when we moved out here, it was like you got to sell a script and move to the Hollywood Hills and or get on a pilot and and that was kind of the route. But we just decided we were kind of done with New York. Let's just go and kind of try it on mm. our own without a job, <laughs> a job, which is the traditional, um, you know. And it it was an adjustment, but it, it worked out. Cool. Yeah. 
Because you've also done some commercials, too. Yes, I'll tell you. You know, I was always sort of like Mr. Not that I was like a Juilliard guy, but I was like, oh, I'm never doing commercials. But then whenever you did them, they were great, and they were really funny. And um, sometimes you got to do physical stuff and, you know, stuff that you would, wouldn't would get to do on, on, a, on a network show. So I very quickly, like, changed my tune about those. I was pretty harumphy about it. Like, <laughs> I hate this. But that, I think, led to some opportunities. And so, yeah, like, I did the Geico Caveman series of commercials, and those were really a blast. Um, some really talented uh, folks with me in those. And, and um, yeah, so I kind of... Did commercials, and I kept saying, like, oh, okay, I'm just going to do this until I get the next series or whatever. But there was a point where it's like you can do both. You can kind of do everything, you know. You can do TV and do commercials, which are great. Yeah. So you've kind of been out here since the whole technology boom. Because, like, before, you know, you actually had to print out, like, they were, like, headshots were black and white. Oh, yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. And now it's like it's just like digital. I guess they get them in the mail. I don't or in the email. I don't understand. Yeah, yeah email. I don't, <coughs> I don't know. They just have like these little printouts, and like now you're. Well, you had to like fill out the size inches. card. Did you ever have to do that? Yes. Yeah, there was do that. a size card you had mm-hmm. to fill out while you were kind of waiting to go in. And I remember there was some guy who had made this like label that he just affixed to the <laughs> side card, so he didn't have to like he wouldn't get it. So fancy. His hand wouldn't cramp. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's been it's been cool. I I I have done a lot of cool stuff and met a lot of um like I did yeah, these Oscar Meyer commercials. I was my son again, Will, did some sort of Google search on uh oh, no. on some stuff that I had done and he unearthed this commercial I did for GasX, which was like one of the ones that I did when I first moved out here. And in my defense, it's not that bad. It's pretty funny. Like I still stand by it. I Commercials are funny. Yeah, like, yeah, they're not bad. And it is one of those funny things where you're like, he was like, why did you do it? And I was like, I probably went to the first call. And I was like, I'm never going to get this. And then at the callback, I was like, okay, <laughs> it's not so bad. But he found it online somewhere, and it had like 200,000 hits. And he scrolled down and read all the com- comments. And one of them was, looks like a Jewish Tom Hanks. <laughs> 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 yeah, which I was like, that's pretty funny. Yeah, that's not a bad thing. No. Some, sometimes comments can be pretty b- brutal. Yes, so. no, I, I recovered from that pretty quickly. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about Sex in the City a little yeah. bit more. You're just in the first season mainly, but you've seen all six seasons? Sadly, <laughs> no. I'm a vain actor. I don't really watch okay. the ones that I'm not in. But yeah, it just is not, and it just also okay. wasn't my show, you know. Like if it was, you know, if I had been on uh, The Sopranos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I know, sort of basically. I mean, it was it was tough. It was kind of painful to watch it, you know, and be like, oh, yeah. I kind of wish I was still part of this. Um, yet another part of me was like, you know, ready to move on. Well, I mean, so how did you feel when Steve entered the picture? Yeah, so I don't even, I mean, I know a little bit about that, that he's sort of, I I think it's fine. I think it's great, (laughs) you know? Like, I think Sex and the City wasn't that thing like Arrested Development where, like, the pilot was just like, you know, from day one. They had a vision. They knew what they wanted. They were doing, you know, that's why I'm so impressed with that show or, like, uh, The Pilot to Cheers is, like, incredibly, but some, you know, some half-hour shows don't have good pilots. Like, The Pilot for Friends is terrible. Yeah, so it's weird because... 
Steve actually comes in really early. He comes yeah. in in the second season. Right. And you guys actually overlap because he comes in second season, like episode 11. Yep. And then they're dating 11, 12, 13. And then they like break up. Yeah. And then the next episode, you come in again. So funny. <laughs> and it's just like, but then Steve comes back. Yeah. But it's just like, why did they bring him in so early? I don't know. Yeah. It's just so weird. I don't know. It's <laughs> funny. I, I have no, like, now I'm kind of over it. Like, I don't really, you yeah, know, yeah, care. Yeah. It, again, you know, like that time, like I was really close to getting a recurring part on Spin City, which was oh, this yeah. Michael J. Fox comedy. And it was just what everybody was gunning for, you know, was that was the mantra, you know? And uh, it came down to me and and uh, Michael Boatman, I believe, was his name for this, for this like, role in the mayor's office. And I was like, yeah, this is it. I'm going to be here for seven years. I'll do this. I'll make a bunch of money. You know, fuck sex in, sex in the city. <laughs> so it, it was... It, it was tough, though. It's still always hard, you know, and even just watching the first season, you know, I wish I could say it was enjoyable, but it was, I don't know, it's tough as an actor. I don't know if you're okay at watching yourself do something, but. No, I don't. Yeah. I don't really do it. I don't watch it either. So, yeah, no judgment here. Yeah. Well, let's see. So, but you did meet Chris Noth and yeah. you know Big's character. Yeah. So, one segment we have on this podcast is Good Big, Bad Big. I love it. Bring it on. So, um, overall, I mean, at least the first season, what do you think? Was he a good big or a bad big that first um, season? Well, so he told me this interesting story about how Ooh. Darren <laughs> Starr, you know, he was on a show before Sex and the City. Yeah. Um, Law and Order, was it? No. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that was it, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was on For that a long time. <laughs> for a very long time. And he said that Darren Starr said, had he ever seen him on that show, he never would have cast him as Mr. Big in Sex and the City, which is really interesting because he was such a, not a good guy, but he was, it's such a different role. Yeah. And so I think... Big is much closer to who he, you know, uh, Chris is much closer to who he is on the show than he was probably on Law and Order. So I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I forget the question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, overall, like, do you think Big's character is is good or is he kind of a slime ball? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think he's the perfect trying to strike that balance between slimy and perfect. He's got the perfect job, perfect apartment, mm-hmm. but you're just like. You know, because um, at the end of season one, she breaks up with him. Yeah, because he just won't give her what she needs. Yeah, 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 yeah. There, I rewatched the episode where they go to that party of some friend of his, and like, there's a bunch of social gaffes regarding like her name, and like, yes. he sees his ex-wife there, and I was like, that's I've hung out with Mr. Big in some bars in Atlanta, and that's not too different <laughs> than what is still the situation. But yeah, I don't know. I'm just a. I just think he's so funny. I think he's good. I think he's, he's good. Yeah, I gotta say good. Yeah, gotta I, go with good. I think in the first season, I think he's mainly good. But overall, you feel like well, overall, I mean, they end up together. Yeah, I think he finally Big's character comes around to like you know it carries the one. Yeah. Um, it's just why did it take him so long to figure it out? Like, well, know? isn't that what television is though? Glacial <laughs> <laughs> six years. Yeah. To figure it out, but I don't um, know. He's a, I think he's a good big. Yeah. Well, I had another question. Um, I have one other Mr. Oh, big story, which is just funny yeah. because I 
remember getting picked up in the morning to go to set one day, and Mr. Big was in the van in front of me. Uh, sorry, was in the front seat when the, what do you call it, the transpo van pulls up. And he's, you know, coming from his, like, Upper West Side, like, <laughs> super. I mean, Chris Noth has been working every day of his life since the day he was born. I mean, he's just, like, always fucking working. Yeah. And so not like he had a big chip on his shoulder, but he does. And he just was such a funny, such a clash of personalities, me and him in this transpo van. And I remember he's parked outside when I get into it from my Avenue C apartment. <laughs> and he just like finishes reading like a Playboy magazine, just throws it right back at me. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, I actually have some lines to work on, but I just remember thinking, like, wow, this is funny. Like, these two people are never going to hang out. And That's so funny. Yeah, and now we're like all these years later. So I don't know. I have a I have a big soft spot. I wish Big and Skipper. Yeah, we should have our own. Yeah. You know, there was like a Sex in the City one woman show in Atlanta, and we kept threatening to like go crash it, like show up. In <laughs> you should have. I know. I know. Oh, I know. Man, that would have been amazing. Yeah. That was a really exciting time as a young actor because I remember going to, um, after we did the first season, like I remember going to see a play that Kenny Lonergan had written. And, you know, Sarah was there with Matthew Broderick. And, mm-hmm. But it was just a cool sort of like New York City actor moment to have mm-hmm. been brought into this kind of world and and running into these different people. Um, um, God, what's that actor's name? You can't. If you can't remember names, you can't drop them. Okay. That's, uh, anyways, that's not much of a story if it comes back to me. No, that's cool. Yeah. I have a weird Kristen Davis story, which is that so when my wife and I moved out to New York, our moving day was fucking 9 11. Oh. Yeah. Really weird. So I like, my wife had stayed behind to go to a wedding in Western Massachusetts, and I was flying with one of our cats. We have two cats. Uh, with one of our cats, I was on like a 9 a.m. flight out of JFK, and I like crossed the, you know, Manhattan Bridge. I look, it's this beautiful morning, and I look back at the Twin Towers. I'm like, How, why am I leaving? Like, this place has given me so much, but I'm like, uh, let's, you know, got to just rip the bandage off. And uh, I get on the plane. Kristen Davis is on the plane. She's sitting in first class. And I kind of don't say anything to her while I'm getting on because I've got this cat and this right. bag. And, like, we're not buddies, but I'm like, okay, you know, definitely once we're in the air and I have a couple of drinks in me, like, we're going to go hang out. But then, you know, the damnedest thing happens. Like, there's a uh, a report of a small plane, like, you know, crashing into one of the Twin Towers. And and um, and eventually that, that flight gets canceled and, and all the other flights get canceled. And I got off the plane and I saw her again at, like, you know, one of the, the ticket windows, you know, trying to reschedule her flight. And everybody just was, uh, you know, trying to trying to figure out what was going on. But, um, yeah, that was a weird. That's crazy. Yeah, really weird, weird day. We ended up driving across the country about two weeks later, my wife and I did, uh, with, our, with our cats. And that was actually great. Good. Hmm. Um. Is that where you want to go? With yeah, this that's podcast? crazy. Yeah. No, no, I, I, we get real. Um, okay, good, good. Yeah, real good. is good. Yeah. Um, I may only have real, unfortunately. <laughs> no, that's, that's fine. Cool. So, where do you think Skipper is now? 
I think he's still a website creator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you think he's like single? No, hopefully or? he's uh hopefully he made a bit maybe he's got a bunch of Bitcoin, maybe. Mm. Yeah, I'd like to think of him as a He did become that billionaire. Yeah, he has some real money, but he's doing good things with it, like, you know, making sure there's clean water and, you know, <laughs> some foreign country. Yeah, I don't know. I could really see him uh Still being in technology, maybe? I don't know. But maybe not in New York anymore. Maybe he's out of the city, like in the Berkshires or something. Yeah. I think this the gritty city was too tough for Skipper. <laughs> okay. So we have another segment called Who Wore What Why that talks about the fashion mm-hmm. on the show. Now, for Skipper's character, were those your glasses or were they given to you to wear? I think they were definitely given to me to wear But I do remember getting a new pair of glasses, and I went to go show my agent, Rhonda Price, and she was like, oh, wow, okay, yeah, that's actually with your long hair, it's kind of a good look. (laughs) And I don't think I had meant to wear the glasses to auditions, I was just sort of like passing through. I have to just sidebar here, Rhonda Price also represented Dana Wheeler-Nicholson, who played the, you know, the the mom in the episode where she, um, they go visit the woman uh, who's pregnant. Oh, in the yes. suburbs, yeah. Yes. She was represented, and she was also in Fletch, and I had a huge crush on her. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, and she also represented Justin Thoreau, and like, anyways, I, so she sort of like, that's where that look kind of came from, but then I think when I got on set, I think they brought, you know, Like different own. ones. Yeah. So you did wear glasses, though, to the audition. I think that's right. I think I must have, yeah. Cool. Yeah. But then, yeah, and then there was all these great, like I wore the... Costume, I don't really remember too much about my wardrobe, but I remember getting like wallabies. And I was like, these are dope. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah, because it is kind of, um, especially in the Valley, something of the 20 something guys, you standing beside Timothy Oliphant's character and just, you know, you're wearing like this zip up, like swishy jacket <laughs> yeah. and he's all like cool and with the tongue ring and whatever. But you're both the, like the same age. Yeah. And it's just, it's really funny how interesting. Yep. It also was great, you know, when you're an actor, you you don't have any money to go to any of these clubs. So it's great to go to them as a location. <laughs> yeah. Because you're like, I'm never going to be able, I can't afford this anyway. So that was a fun way to be able to see like New York. Cool. Yeah. So back to how you and Carrie are friends. And um, I do think that maybe Skipper designed her website. But what's funny is in the movie, have you seen the movie? No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really funny. Um, in the movie, Carrie gets an assistant. Okay. Uh, and the assistant says, CarrieBradshaw.com, this is such a mess. <laughs> and I always think, like, that's because Skipper like, that's right. stopped working on it. <laughs> he just that's such an opening. He, yeah. he just didn't do the upkeep. So, yeah. yeah, in the next movie, you should be back in the movie, you know. Who do I call? Who do I <laughs> You, will you put in a good word for me? Well, I mean, have you heard about all the drama that's happened about the third movie? Uh, no. Well, Kim Cattrall doesn't want to be in it. Well, I've heard about that. Yeah, that's yeah. sad. Which, you know, but they're still going to try to make it without yeah. her. It is sad that that connection between television movies wasn't, I mean, that they had, you know, some bad luck with that. Because they had so many great female directors directing that first season, you know, Susan Seidelman and... Uh, Nicole Holofsetler, who did a bunch of... That sounds right. Yeah, like there was just so many cool people directing that. And so there... And I think that was what was kind of fraught about the pilot in the first couple episodes is it didn't know if it wanted to be like 
an indie movie or like Bright Lights, Big City, or if it wanted to be this goofy, you know, yuck fest, you know? And yeah. I think it's kind of caught in the middle a little bit, you know? And I think you bring in a guy like Ben Weber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the know. first movie was great. Okay. Like, the second movie wasn't. Yeah. So it's like, so if they do a third one, and, you know, I feel like it's, I don't see where it's going to go, and especially if Kim's not in it. Yeah. I just don't know. Yeah. You know. Maybe it could just be me and Chris Noth. Maybe we could just do yeah. it. <laughs> I think there should be like a guys in the city type of movie. Guys in the city. It People all... would see that. People yeah, would see that. Totally. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. People would see that. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Bring back Aiden. <laughs> it's really fun. Yeah. So the very last segment is You're Such A. So you have to decide out of the four girls, yeah. who do you identify with the most? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's tough. I mean, Charlotte is, um, is I guess, who my character would probably identify with the most, I think. Um, nice girl, comes from a little bit of money. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. In real life, I like to par- not party, but I like to go out and have fun. So I don't know. Samantha, I, I don't know, and I love Sarah Jessica. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm a Charlotte, maybe. Oh, a Charlotte. Yeah, yeah I'm going to go with Charlotte. Okay, so yeah. Ben Weber, such as Charlotte. <laughs> we say that in my house all the time. Yeah, yeah, my kids are just trained. I just, I hear that a lot. Nice. I'm used to it. I think overall, I like to think I'm a Carrie. Is that right? Yeah. Why? Because <laughs> I, I just, sometimes I'm a mess, but yeah. sometimes I'm like put together. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I'm a creative as well. Yeah. I like Carrie, so... Does she smoke the whole series? No. That was weird to rewatch it and see that. And she's like, she's fucking smoking in every scene in this. She starts to quit in season four. Okay. Got when it. Aiden shows up. Huh. Yeah. Because Aiden doesn't, won't date a smoker. Right. But that's a lot of smoking. Jeez, I forgot about it. I can't imagine she was behind that. But. Yeah. And they all smoke. Yeah. Right. Willie. Well, I think Sarah Jessica Parker might smoke in real life, or she used to. We're all, all uh, the actors. You can never trust them. Um, and Chris Noth would smoke. Yeah. And uh, but the other three girls didn't smoke. Yeah. So. So what about this big brouhaha with with uh, <laughs> what? Uh, that's, what what's going on now with the with um, Sarah Jessica Parker and and uh, oh and Kim? Yeah. Oh well, I mean, I don't know them, so mm-hmm. I don't pick sides. But the gist is, Kim says that her and Sarah were never friends. Hmm. That they were just never friends. You know, they worked together. And Kim's brother just died. Yeah. So Sarah Jessica Parker wrote, you know, like, thoughts and prayers, condolences, you know, for your family. And Kim was just straight up like, I don't need your condolences. Like, you were never a friend. I don't. What a weird time to... To yeah. air that grievance. Yeah, a little bit. But, you I know. am not going to take a side. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I don't That's take awful. a side. Kim felt the need to say that and, yeah, you know. <laughs> but that's. <laughs> this is another sort of funny tangential thought. I wish I wasn't, I was less scatterbrained, but I guess I'm just, I'm, no, old, okay. I'm old. Sex and City was a long time ago. What's funny is that when we shot that, I was living in the East Village and it was like, 
there were no women in the East Village in New York. Like, it was pretty grungy, Tompkins Square Park. Like, you never saw anybody. If you saw a woman, she was with, like, a dude. Um, now New York is all women. And I think it's because of sex in the city. Like, it's just feels very safe and like you can kind of go anywhere and like you could, you know, you could lick some corners of Tompkins Square Park <laughs> and you probably wouldn't get a disease. Um, so I don't know, it feels fun to be sort of a part of that, you know, to have been. Yeah, I mean, that's why I love the show is that, you know, I was finally seeing a show about four independent women, like in New York, a big city, because I'm from North Carolina, like a oh, really? small town. Where yeah. in North Carolina? Um, it's called Burlington. It's Is like, that near the coast? No, it's like right in the middle of the right state. Right in the middle, okay. Yeah. And um, so when I was watching this, I was like, wow, that's I want to do that. Like, I want to move to a big city yeah. and just do what I want to do. And, you know, I was able to see four women that didn't need their parents, didn't need their boyfriend or whoever to help them. You know, they just went and did it. Yeah. So, yeah, I I think it's definitely the show helped a lot of women figure it out, you know. And they all moved to New York City, <laughs> to Thompson Square Park, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> yeah. Oh, New York. I miss that New York. I lived in New York uh, for about a year and a half. Really? What what year and a half was that? <laughs> <laughs> it was about ten, uh, 2010 to 2012. And did it live up to the... Uh, I just, I, I liked it. Um, it was cool to ride the Where'd subway. Where'd you live? Uh, well, I lived in several different places. I lived in Brooklyn, Astoria, Washington Heights mm-hmm. for a bit, and Storyside. Yeah, it was fun, but I just, I don't know. I, I'd never been to LA. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I like New York, um, but let's try the sun, because it just is too cold. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that was our thing, too. We actually got married in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Oh, wow. Yeah, my wife's family is from Pittsburgh, and they had grown up vacationing there forever and ever and ever, so I never thought I'd get married in the South, but there it was. Where where in the Outer Banks? So, you know where the lighthouse is? Kurtuk Lighthouse? We got married underneath that lighthouse. Wow, I've I've climbed up that lighthouse. Yeah, 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 it's a great spot, and we had our... We were there in October, so it was the off-season, so, like, our mm-hmm. guests stayed and duck, and they had, you know, big houses. Like, all of our groomsmen were in one house and all of our, you know. That's awesome. Yeah, it was it was really great. So we still go back there fairly off frequently. But it was the same thing, too. We were sort of like, boy, I don't know. New York is – can be tough. And my wife was, you know, this is right before the big tech boom, so our timing was good to get out of there. But – you know, I kind of lied to my agent about going to L.A. I was sort of like, oh, I'm just going to be out there for a little while. Just visiting. Yeah, I don't know why. I felt she was weird about it. And so, and again, we didn't do it the right way. Like, I feel like the way to do it is go out there with the pilot. But we did this other way, which was that we went out there just because we really were ready for a change. And we developed a really interesting community and put down roots. And I think that's probably more valuable than, you know, um, doing it the other way. But I don't know. Um but yeah, it feels really, really great to have been part of, of you know, to put, uh, you know, my mark on New York, this big scary place in some tiny, small way, you know, like, that's cool. Well, every guest that I have on the podcast always loves your character. Aww. They always say that Skipper <laughs> is my favorite. Really? Yes. That's so Everyone funny. Everyone loves Skipper. Wow, that's so funny. Because he's just like, he is the most genuine character, Aww. I think. Yeah. Um, definitely. I mean, he's never – the only time he gets a little, like, asshole-ish is what he does to the character Allison. Yeah. That's the only time 
But it's like he's just so obsessed with Miranda. You know, it's he just, just funny. doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but besides that, like he's just a really genuine character. And and sometimes the other characters, even the four girls, just aren't all that genuine, you know? That's so funny. There's like girl on girl action. Like, yeah. You know, they, they yeah. kind of run each other down sometimes. But Skipper's pure and sweet. <laughs> Damn it, Skipper. <laughs> Skipper. Well, do you have any other thoughts or anything you uh, want to talk about or say? Yeah, you know, I I don't know that I do. I think I got it all out there. Yeah, in a, in a way, this was a good, this was therapeutic for me. You know, watching these episodes and just sort of like, just really try watching them as a fan. Like, I just had a whole new respect for the the people that, were on that show and what they were trying to do and, you know, what a big mountain that was. And so this was part of the healing process. <laughs> thank you. I no, thank you, you for coming. I, I really, like, I didn't know, um, you know, I don't know how many other episodes you listen to of the podcast, but, you know, I, I'd always kind of say, like, yeah, I'm going to try to get um, Skipper on the show. Like, I don't know if he'll do it. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, cut to five minutes later, he's here. <laughs> here he <laughs> Turns is. out pretty available. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming uh, on the podcast. Of course, Megan. And um, yeah, uh, have a good rest of your day. <laughs> you too. Enjoy <laughs> that, Cosmo. All right, <laughs> bye. <laughs> That's the episode, guys. What a fun, weird conversation with Ben Weber. He's so nice, guys. He's so nice. I even got a um, signed autograph picture from him that I will post on the Instagram. So keep a lookout for that. Thank you so much for listening. I wanted also to thank a few people that make the show possible. John Fredette for the music. Check him out at johnfredette.com. Ben Weber, our fabulous guest. Terrence Deutsch, producer, and everyone over at Boardwalk Audio. Again, please check us out on Instagram and Facebook, both at Cosmos in the City or on Twitter at CATC Podcast. Give us a follow, give us a like, give our podcast a rating and review on iTunes. And if you have any thoughts, opinions, ideas, etc., you can email us at city at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from all of you, and we may even read some stuff out loud on the podcast. So thank you so much, everybody. Please stay tuned for Season 2 coming up next week. All right. Cheers. Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit boardwalkaudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.